Welcome to the What More Can I Say podcast with your illustrious hosts, Dexter and Ernest. You've now reached the intersection of comedy and festivity, where unapologetically black opinions still matter. The What More Can I Say podcast can be found on all major podcast and social media platforms. Just search What More Can I Say and remember to like us and provide feedback. And now, onto the show. Tell him, KG. What you gonna say now? What can you say now? Welcome to the What More Can I Say podcast. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Dexter, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ernest. What's going on, man? Nothing much. What's up, people in podcast, La La Land? Well, if you didn't know, this is episode 24 of the What More Can I Say podcast. Uh, you can find this podcast on, on all major podcasting platforms, uh, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever else you get your podcasts from. Uh, and today is a special episode, man. We have a special guest um, one by way of manservant, I guess. <laughs> uh, we have Mrs. Uh, Onesia Muller. Jump on in, Onesia. What's happening? Hey, hi! Thanks for having me, Ernest and Dexter. I'm Onesia, and I'm in Chicago. Yeah, windy city. Yeah, living life. It's like South Side Chicago. Um. I think we're on the west side. We're on the Whoa. gentrification side. Okay. So hold on. That's what, do you that's mean what you I was think? trying to get at. <laughs> you you don't know what side of the city you're on. So first of all, I'm not from Chicago. Second of all, my internal GPS is broken. Third of all, I think yeah. You know what? I'm gonna go ahead and say west side. We're in Humble Park, Logan Square. Is that west side? No idea. I, no just, idea. Like, yeah. I just watch movies and I know deep dish pizza and the the bulls. So I mean that's that's what my uh, Chicago reference is in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I think we're on the west side. And I think nine to five was filmed there. <laughs> you talk about the dollar part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's Cause that's the first thing people think of. Exactly. When they, right? exactly. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, Dolly Parton, nine to five. Makes sense. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, Alicia, tell us um, a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself to our um, fans and listeners and podcast La La Land. Yeah, so I'm Onicia, and I think Onicia is the best O name in town. If you show me someone, mostly females, with an O name, I'll probably be like, nah, girl, that ain't popping. <laughs> That's terrible. Is it terrible? I don't know. Onisi rocks. Uh, yeah, so I'm in Chicago. I used to, I was born and raised on St. Martin. And I kind of just wanted to explore the world. So I did undergrad in the Netherlands and um, traveled to Canada and Mexico for study and living. And then I came to Chicago for grad school. And I kind of just like effed around and got stuck here. Um I, I usually say I messed around on OK Cupid, and then I got stuck in <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so now I'm I'm in Chicago. I write. Uh, sometimes I go on stage and say silly things, and I hopefully you know one day I'll have like a major motion film happening popping in my lap. That's awesome. So, 
That's very interesting. So what made you want to get into no comedy being a stand-up comedian i think i'm funny but i don't think i have the guts to get up there and crack jokes because if someone heckles me or booze me i'm losing my mind so what made you want to do that okay so two things the first thing is i'm type a creative that means like yes i'm funny i make art and stuff but also sometimes i get really anal and i'm like super organized the second thing I'm about to say might make some comedians upset, but stand-up comedy is just a great way to tell your story very quickly to an audience. So my idea in my head is not necessarily that I want to go up on stage and crack jokes and travel, like be a road comic, but I did an open mic for my birthday at the Laugh Factory. And after that, I was like, you know what? I don't have a budget to make a feature film, but I love telling people funny stories. I love telling people about my travels. So that's how I got started in comedy. So how long exactly have you been doing comedy? Um, probably around 2015, April 2015. Yeah. Okay. About three mm-hmm. years almost. So it's only, yeah. has, has it only been in Chicago? Have you traveled around? Did you do any comedy in the Netherlands? Oh, um, no. So I've been doing public speaking since I was eight. So most of my onstage experience has been like boring lectures, be inspirational and motivational, but like really, I guess, cracking jokes or saying things that my mom thinks isn't like awesome. 2015. Yeah. So you you own your Toastmasters stuff, huh? Yeah, I actually did um, one year of Toastmasters. I highly recommend it. Yeah. How do you know this? Why do you know this? I, yeah. Oh, you were guessing? Are you a Toastmaster? Uh, yeah, back in, damn, it was like maybe a year after college, I did Toastmasters. It was cool. Mm-hmm. It was cool. I liked it. So, so stand-up comedy, what is the first stand-up comedy show that you actually watched, if you could remember like what's mm-hmm. your ins- what was your inspiration? What was your inspiration? Who was it? Because I'll give you a perfect example. I remember being, I think I was seven or eight years old when um Eddie Murphy Raw came out and I watched it and there was a lot of stuff I didn't get. I would never let my kids watch that mess now. What? But that was that's the first one I remember. What about you? First one I remember. Wow. Um I don't know what the first one I remember was, but I do know that Amanda Seals, she was the first comedian I watched and I was like, I get it. This is how I want to do this. I want to be funny. I want to be smart. And she's also, she she's an island girl. So mm-hmm. I also felt like I could trust her with the cross-cultural aspect of things, you know? That's that's so like I could trust them with the cross cultural aspect. <laughs> well, you know, being that you are a comedian, uh, uh, have you ever bombed? Have you had? Have you bombed yet? Like, you know, I know most comedians have to at least go kind of trial by fire. Have you ever been on stage and didn't get the laughs you were seeking? Uh, yeah, I think when I first started comedy, I'm like wrote out my piece and memorized it 
and that went well. And then, then I decided, how about we take the training wheels off and like just go on stage and like do whatever comes. And it's tough because I'm from St. Martin in the Caribbean. This is obviously not how I speak with my homies. And so trying to connect with the audience, but then having your stage fright force you to speak proper. But the way you want to throw the joke out there, I need to use like my real accent. So that was a, a learning a learning curve and it's still kind of a learning curve. I'm just learning to be comfortable being dark and dry and like staying on the stage and be like, yo, I think it's really funny that avocados don't got a modeling contract and just own that shit, you know? <laughs> own your truth. Yeah. Own your truth. <laughs> so one thing that's interesting to me, uh, reading um, the show notes, it says you are a former reporter and children's columnist. How does a former crime reporter go from a reporter to a comedian? First of all, how do you go to being a crime reporter? Well, it's a small island. We only have so many newspapers. So my best friend, Robin, he the crime reporter. Then he had to earn his journalism degree. And then I just graduated with my um, our communications degree and basically it's baptism by final crime beat right so they're like hey Onisia we got a position for you you're a reporter and after about all year of that um I just got suicidal and I was just like dear, dear god Jesus you need to fix it how about sending me some student debt <laughs> So then I booked a flight to Chicago, but so I became a crime reporter and that's how it went from like looking at dead bodies. And I, the thing I want to say is that like, look at bodies and like sexually harassed on your job. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that. So I'm going to be looking for you, former crime yeah. reporter, turned stadium. A um, couple of ice, icebreaker questions for you. Uh, your ketchup. <laughs> what do you keep it? Do you keep it in your fridge or are you keep it in your pantry? Uh, in the pantry until we open it, and then we keep it in the fridge. That's that's the correct answer. Oh, okay, cool. Yes, yeah, I'm cool. Oh. Yes, some some people <laughs> some people are savages, man. They leave it out all day because you know, like in restaurants, it's left out all day. Uh, so yeah. yeah. Well, I just assume they their supply goes quick enough to do that, you know? Well, it's supposed to be because it has vinegar in it. Right? Oh, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be okay to leave out, but nah, it's not my thing. It's not my bag. Uh, pineapples on pizza, yeah or nay? Yes, please. Wow. Why you say that like you ashamed? You're like, yes, please. <laughs> I got dragged on the internet. I, so my favorite pizza combination is olives and black olives and mushrooms. But, you know, every once in a while, I, I folks with the pineapples. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it's something. It is a crime. I don't think fruits or vegetables should be on pizza. It should be just straight meat and cheese and sauce. That's you it. know, tomato technically. Give, give me some veggies. Tomatoes are fruit technically. veggies, man. It's, it's mushed up. <laughs> it's different. I eat ketchup, but I don't eat tomatoes. Hey, listen. 
So you want to be technical. The only component of a vegetable that should be on the pizza is the damn tomatoes. Quick question, man. If so, if if tomato is a fruit, is ketchup a smoothie? Yes. Boom. Mind blown. Boom. See that? I love my ketchup and mayo smoothies. Ooh, that mayo is I disgusting. Lost, I they can't do fat. mayo, man. They can't yeah. do Listen, it. I am Dutch, mayo. and mayo is life. Okay, we put it on everything. Mayo on frites and brot and live it up. Mm. Yeah, when I lived in Germany for two years, I would see you know a lot of mayonnaise on stuff. I'm just like, ew, it's nasty. You know, I used to think mayo was also an American thing, but apparently y'all don't like it. I'm like, but why y'all fuck? And I was like, don't it's uh, I mean, it's I, sensitive. Yeah, I can tolerate it on like maybe like you know like a turkey sandwich or something like that, but like nah, like not as my it's not my go to condiment. Wait a minute, I have a question. Have you guys ever had a grilled cheese sandwich with like? No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> So like a Hawaiian grilled cheese sandwich with like pineapple and like your choice of ham in in there. Well, that's not that that's like a Monte that's not the grilled Cristo cheese at that point. Yeah, that's like not the grilled cheese anymore. That's like a ham and cheese. Well, I just I just started it. I just call it a grilled cheese so that you understand. Is this something like you just made up? It. You just no. My mom used to make Hawaiian sandwiches for us. So when this whole no pineapple on pizza situation popped up i was like well wait a minute my mama made a hawaiian sandwich that i liked and apparently people <laughs> what else ain't rocking with it all right okay you know i no. do kind of go with like pork pork bit but like i can't nah man okay like, i, I also used to eat cheese with cornflakes as a kid What's i don't know that? Why. excuse me what? what bro what are you talking about man bro, i'm out man Honey, are we talking string cheese? Take, like, what are we talking here? Um, we talking no, like shredded take, cheese? Like, your standard Gouda and uh, you crumble it with corn. I don't know. I was a kid. It was Saturday morning. And it's like, like I blue think cheese what, crumbles on your, well, on your rice. No, no, Gouda, not blue cheese. <laughs> Gouda. Well, listen, uh, you sound like, how old were you when you were doing this? It sound like you had the munchies. It sound like you were high. No, I was, I was a kid. No, it sounded like she was like six and it was like a... You know, her mom was like, whatever you want. Make whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. Cheese and corn. Man, that's that's crazy. Gross. Yeah. That's crazy, man. That's, that's like, that's crazy. It's an abomination. I should disconnect this call right now. I'm so offended. <laughs> well, yeah. So don't take food advice from me. So yeah. if y'all say pineapple don't go on pizza, I'm going to believe you. And I might do that along with like putting cheese on conflicts. Yeah, you might want to keep that's that keep that out the comment section anyway you talk. Yeah, that's... Well, I think we know a little bit too much about you now. Let's go ahead and transition into the spotlight. Uh, uh, the no, rundown rundown. I'm slipping the segment. Rundown. Rundown, rundown, rundown. So this topic kind of has something to do with you. Um, I'm pretty sure that you saw uh, Monique, is, Monique, the comedian, actress, Academy Award winning actress. Don't forget that. Comedian alive because I am the most, and I say this humbly, I am the most decorated comedian alive. Alive, alive, alive. You know, she's come out recently. She was upset that um, she felt like she was lowballed. Uh, Netflix offered her five hundred thousand dollars to do a special 
And after that, she got on the internet and said, listen, we need to boycott Netflix. Um, they are... We need to boycott Netflix. We need to boycott Netflix. They're discriminating. We is French? Yeah. Not we is just, we is uh, black folks. People no, I said, um, we is yeah. French. <laughs> That's what we see in the Caribbean. Whenever you're like, now nah, we, we is French. And I speak we French. Is she said that you know is um, Netflix is is discriminating against her for her color, and because of her gender. Um, since you're our guest, Onicia, what do you think about Monique and her call for all Black folks across the globe to boycott Netflix and their streaming services? I think it's fifty fifty. So it's like, was she lowballed? Yes. Was it specifically? And was it, yeah, specifically about gender and race? No, that could have been a role in it, but no. Like, I I could see why they're like, you know, Monique, you're not hot right now. So this is why we're kind of going low. But at the same time, I'm like, if you go into bigger context of being blackballed, that could kind of explain why she's not hot because you, you no longer yeah. have the ability to book shows. And as the call for um, the boycott... I think the boycott is bad strategy. So if I was her PR person, I would tell her offense is the best defense. And instead of trying to defend yourself against every other comedian and telling the world to choose between you and every other artist on Netflix, you should have just tweeted one day, be like, hey, y'all, sit and having me do a comedy special. Hair would be like, no, ignore it. And her real fans would retweet it. But now she wants to awaken a fan base that is kind of dormant and have them cancel Netflix. Is like, I, I can't cancel Netflix for you. And like, I wouldn't even cancel Netflix for Dave Chappelle. You know, like, there's <laughs> other people on there I want to support. And I think, yeah, I think she should be playing offense. She should have just waking up, woke up, whatever tense you want to use, and say, yo, guys, if you want a comedy special with me on Netflix, retweet it, do a little guerrilla marketing, have someone do one of, like, a funny Twitter thread. Remember that time when Monique did X? But no, now you want to, you know, you should have played nice first and then come out being like, so I got a Netflix deal. Everyone's happy for you and be like, but they only want to give me 500K. And then, you know, now you're just out here. And she's very eloquent. I like that. And I'm pro money getting more money. So I'm just like, as her PR person, I would be like, Nabu, play positive, what, not negative. What do you think about that, Dak? <sighs> Man, what don't I think about it? Um, yeah, uh, I guess similar sentiment, man. Like, I'm. I'm. Uh, I do think she was lowball, right? In the con, in the context of her career, and and um, but you know, Netflix. Look, Netflix is an agile streaming organization, right? They put content out instantly. They are they are leaders in the marketplace, right? So this isn't like network or broadcast TV where you know you you're going more on strictly name recognition netflix they can they can put a, a com they can put a show out in 24 hours you know what i mean so 
they're looking for someone as hot in that moment. And you know, Amy Schumer, I know she brought up Amy Schumer getting paid thirteen million. Amy Schumer was, you know, before her two Netflix specials kind of kind of failed and her last two movies kind of flopped. Uh, she was kind of hot, you know what I mean, like in the in the public eye. So I do think she was definitely low ball. Like if you're giving Amy Schumer thirteen million, you got to at least give Monique a couple of million. Mm-hmm. But even I so one of the articles I read, um, they offered Wanda Sykes half of that. They offered her two hundred fifty k. Yeah, and that's crazy. So, but I, and that's I, criminal. Like I do think that that you know I do think that that race did play a part in it. Not saying, but I think the problem, I think Monique's tactics were kind of off. And I think even just by naming Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock in her whole argument was like, come on, man. Like, like, how dare you? Yeah, like you're naming the two largest, biggest draws outside, I guess, naming who else? Kevin Hart, you know, outside of comedy. Like, why would you you name them Mm -hmm. of all people? You know what? I want to know. I want to know a few questions. One, how many views did You Could Have Been My Cellmate got on Netflix? The only reason I didn't watch it on Netflix is because I owned a DVD and I burned it into the ground. So I didn't need to see that <laughs> special anymore. Um, and I watched Raw on Netflix because I hadn't seen it. Um, Classic. Well, I hadn't seen it in full. So, because mm-hmm. life. Um, and then what I was going to say... So I want to know how much, how many views you could have been my cellmate got. And then I wanted to know how much was she asking for? Because was like, cause she's being unclear about how much she actually wants. Cause I think I read that Kathy Griffin had a $3 million deal with Netflix. And if she had put Kathy Griffin in and her next to each other, I think people made a leap. But she wants us to go from half a mil to, to what? 13, 13. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she wants, she's not saying it, but she wants to be more than Amy. Ah, man, girl, girl. Well, part of it too, I think she, she, she received an, from what I, I read another article talking about this as well. She actually, Netflix came out and said that they were pretty much offering her between uh, around $3 million. However, she would, she was supposed to, she would have had to audition for it. Uh, they wanted to her. She to did audition. Well, she's the way Netflix said it. They said they offered her a certain like around three million, but they wanted her to audition. And she said, "Would Amy Schumer have to audition? Did Dave Chappelle have to audition? Did Chris Rock have to audition? Like, why do I have to audition for?" It? And then they came back, and that's when they offered the, the five hundred thousand. Um, so, you know, that's one little Wait, wrinkle. So she went from three to five. Yeah. Where did you read? Yeah, that was it. Was uh, yeah, it just actually just came out today. It was like a statement from Netflix. Um, so apparently, like I said, they all they actually did offer her at least a couple of million, and she refused to audition. And she started like naming names like Chris Rock and 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 Chappelle. And these people didn't have to audition. Why should I have to audition? And but let's see, man. <laughs> to to me, that's kind of problematic. And I think that that that's feeding into the whole thing that you're difficult to work with. And well, that's already her. her that's already her mo. Her, you know what I mean? Her, her reputation. And then you know, it goes back to the whole uh, when she won the Academy Awards, and she felt like 
you know, following winning such a major award, you should get like, a, you should get a bump. You should get a career bump. You should get the types of roles that you get offered increases. The, the, the amount that you get paid for these roles should increase. And it, she said it didn't for her. Um, after at the pressures, she didn't get the role. She didn't get, you know, she, and, and when she was offered a role, they were trying to pay her like she was making before, you know, before she mm-hmm. re- received the award. And and like I said, traditionally, if you win an Academy Award, you get treated differently. You get paid more. You get, you know, you have that career bump. Um, Dude, I, I'm gonna draw a great parallel. So let's say you go out here and you have a master's. Mm-hmm. But you're interviewing for a job where it doesn't require you to really have a master's. I'm not going to pay you master's pay. You get what I'm saying? And I think, you know, what were some of these roles? And I will always, I will want to be interested in, you know, what were some of these roles? What were you going to do? Wait, was it a Samuel Jackson role when you're in the movie for 20 minutes? Or was it a Denzel role when you, you're the lead into the movie? And I think that makes a huge difference, man. You get what I'm saying? Well, I mean, I, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I, mean, I feel. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I feel kind of disappointed. Like, so I'm pro us having more positive feedback for Mon- not just for Monique, but for like women of color in comedy, especially since, mm-hmm. you know, Wanda exactly. was lowball. But again, I, I just feel like it is so cost effective to make a splash. She has the podcast. If Monique wanted, she could have done like Tammy Roman. Roman with her bonnet chronicles all she gotta do is like spit one and two minute bits and do that for not even a year if you do it right for six months she would have solidified her position as like a million dollar woman again I don't it's, know what she's doing I don't I, I don't know what she's doing and I agree with you Anisha and I think um, and I didn't think about that before it's so many platforms for her to put out new content she could have done it on her you know instagram twitter youtube taking some of the energy that she's putting into going up there saying hey we need to boycott netflix and showing people like listen i'm still funny i still got it now i watched the videos of her talk Mm -hmm. do i finish oh i was saying watch the videos of her on um sway and some of the other interviews yeah and i'm just looking at it i'm watching it you know for content and preparation for the show I'm like, yo, I don't, I don't want to see Monique do stand up. But you remember when Chappelle left, and when he came back, and he was doing Oprah and all of these other shows. If Chappelle was on the show, I was looking for it, and he wasn't really even talking about comedy. And you know, the the buzz was like, yo, when is he gonna get back on stage? Mm-hmm. He started, you know, doing small, you know, um, stand ups at different places. Oh, yeah. And it was just generating buzz and buzz and buzz. Like, yo, Chappelle gonna make a comeback. Chappelle gonna make a comeback. And then last year when Netflix dropped, said, hey, you know, he has two shows that he recorded. Everybody was watching. Everyone well, was talking well, about it. So I did see I did see her on uh, she did an interview. She was talking about Oprah and and uh, uh, Tyler Perry. She was funny. Like, she was clowning. It was, she was funny and I think she's still funny. I just think, look, if you put a, you put out a video where you're standing solemn and you're, you know, you're quiet and reserved. It's like that's the antithesis of being a comedian. Like, yeah, she could have, she could have went on a podcast or any, or even like even on Sway's show. She was so, you know, I just want to let you know that I'm a, you know, I'm like, 
come on, man, that's not Monique. Like, I feel like she was trying to not. I think she was trying to prevent the angry black woman art. Yeah. argument by being very eloquent and whatever but you are right she's not campaigning for senate or whatever she's a comedian so her whole pitch her whole call to action to us should have been comedy i also feel like very frustrated as like a project manager when i go to monique's twitter and her website's not active it's like oh a website cost me max not max like a website costs you around 200 to 50 a year yeah you you girl is it so tight you can't have a website <laughs> is it so tight that's a good point yeah. that's a good point like she's not and you're right like she hasn't taken advantage of look it's the first time i've seen on social media mm-hmm. with such a big personality that she had you would think that she would be i mean look you see dl hugley you see him all on social media you see him with his radio show you see you see chris rock you see you know, you know what i mean like even some of her, some of her, um, you know, her counterparts and stuff, man. They people are out. I mean, I see Mike Epps making see his videos and stuff going viral and stuff. Like uh, he's not funny. Yeah, though, he's not man. funny at all to me. But like <laughs> oh, Mike, that special. You know, Michael Blackston. He's, okay like, in the he's not funny. But these guys are constantly putting. Do I like even even Gary Owens? Like I see him on videos oh, yeah. online. Like that's what I'm saying. Like I. I've heard or more Cat like, Williams than, than Monique, like, and he's uh, been in jail 10 times. Oh, God. You know, <laughs> like, she she has the ability to, she, look, even if she would have came out and said she was upset. It, oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I was like, if we flip the script, because I feel like everyone's grilling Monique, the other question I have for Netflix is, like, if you can't afford a full one-hour special for Monique, and if you think she needs to audition, couldn't we find a middle ground where you give her a 15-minute set? Netflix has a series called The Comedians, and in each episode, like, four comics yeah. go on, and they do about 15 minutes each. Um, she could have slid in every, any... You you could have been like, all right, we're going to give you a trial project. I'm pretty sure she could would have done a one-day 15-minute set 15 minutes set for 100k like it's just one day you riff does you get paid for your audition well even if they would have structured her contract based like an kind of an incentive based contract yeah. right like look you say you're you say you're monique and you can you should be able to generate enough buzz and hype for five million dollars okay well we're gonna start you off at a base price a base contract of five thousand and if you get enough streams you have a stream threshold. If you hit, if you hit Amy Schumer dream numbers, you're getting your five million. But if you don't, you're getting your five hundred thousand. Like if you think that you because don't come to me showing me your statues and showing me your trophies and tell me what you've done. It's like what have you done for me lately? And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm not saying that. I think I think Monique. I think she's a an accomplished comedian. You know, she's been doing it for a long time. I think you know. I th- you know, she, she's a good actress. Like, I think she's very mm-hmm. talented. I think her tat was completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely think, look, I think, I, I definitely, I do think racism could have played a part of it. I think gender equality could have played a part Wanda's a smoking gun, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure that, because, I mean, look, think about it. Even Amy Schumer, when she renegotiated her contract to get the other $2 million, she talked about gender equality 
You know what I mean? She talked about why wasn't she able to get the amount of money that the Chappelle's and Chris Rock's and, you know, whoever else were getting. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I definitely think there, there's definitely there's an inherent bias, but she's not but helping see, her case at all, man. Yeah, but, you know, it's funny. You know, Amy Schumer talked about this this gender bias, but she has I haven't heard a statement about her and Monique and saying, yeah, all women need to stick together and, you know, they're doing her wrong. I haven't Girl. I haven't heard that about her. Gender and I heard Amy Schumer say, yeah, what 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 Tina you, what Tina Fey at now? Where oh, yeah. Amy Poehler at now? Like these diehard diehard feminist comedians, where are they now to to come to the aid of Monique, who's screaming that she's being persecuted for her gender? Where are they now? You know what? I feel like it's a tough spot because when you're on the internet, people think just because you say you stand with Monique. That means you agree with the boycott. No, I can stand with Monique and say she deserves more money, but I'm not going to boycott Netflix. No, man. Bruh, Netflix Bruh. told me I've been a customer so long, I'm grandfathered into a lower rate. I'm not going to mess this up. <laughs> man, look, look, I just got a prompt on my TV last night telling me that Netflix <laughs> is going up in price. And it says, do you, do you want, do you agree to this increase? And I said, you know what? It's better than yep. Comcast. I said, I said, Black Mirror episode season three yeah yeah i agree but see i think but see this is one thing i will say about us as a people too don't come out and tell me we're gonna boycott something without having an alternative in place now if you come to me and say hey listen we're gonna book netflix and we're gonna you know start up something for our own that has our own content up there x y and z then you know okay you know i get it but just to say we're gonna boycott it and we're it doesn't really do anything. Say, hey, we're going to boycott Netflix, so what are we accomplishing? How is it beneficial to, to the group? The thing we want to remember, I don't know if you saw the tweet from Wanda Sykes as well. She said she got lowballed by Netflix, but she turned around and went to Epix, and Epix paid yep. her. So that's, paid. that's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, Moni, that's one outlet. How many different streaming services? I mean, YouTube has... Has YouTube Red and they're paying yeah. for original content. Amazon. Hulu's putting out original content. Amazon's putting out original content. Like they, everybody wants to wants to get clicks and subscribers. They all want original content. And if she is who she says she is, then she should be able to take her at anywhere. She's playing defense. She needs to play offense. Oh, like you know, today I was so frustrated. I took like 15 minutes to try to hunt down Monique's contact information. And I was just like, your website don't even work. I put you in, in my little like internet snooper tools and I can't find an email address. I was just like, girl, you, I, I want to know how long this boycott campaign is going to be. Because every day she gets on the internet and she, she keeps saying boycott. And I'm like, no, baby, what you need to start saying is let me know what city y'all's in and I'm going to book a show yep. and come there. That's what she need to do. Like, read it. It's so easy. If, you, if she already had a website on, she could have used Gumroad. She didn't even need YouTube Red. She could have put up her own platform and do a, a how do you say, she could have done her own platform and just tell people pay $5 to watch it online. Yeah. I thought that the boycott thing was a little much, right? And I mm-hmm. think it was it could have been like an emotional reactionary kind of thing for her. But she's doubling and tripling and quadrupling down on it. And it's like it's like 
Now move you, on, keep moving. Yeah, now you becoming a joke. So even the people that from that first video, even a lot of people came out. It, it was like a 50-50 split. Now, the more she's, stuff she's she in, now you like, bruh, just just stop. She's in too deep. She she's at the point of no return, and she's going so hard with all of these follow up videos now. I think it's really eliminated the chance yeah. of Netflix even wanting to work with her. Period. That, so she looking crazy. Other she's looking crazy, man. Yeah. What yeah. What does Sydney do? Come on, Sid. Yeah, she. Yeah. She's looking. She's looking crazy, and I do feel bad for. I feel like. I feel like that she definitely has the talent to be able to, to garner you know large amounts of money for what she's doing. The problem is, she, look. I don't know when the last her last comedy special came out. You know, I, I feel like thank you for your service. You know, it's, it's I don't know, man. Like <laughs> I want to be I want to I want to be on her side, but I'm on her side. Yeah, like I'm, I'm on just her side like for black now women to turn the ship. Yeah. Turn the ship. It's like, okay, we with you. What you going to do now? Cuz like even if we do boycott She's not gonna have the numbers because the, the people, her fans, right? Let's just say if she worldwide, you know, she has sixty, six hundred thousand fans. That's not, that's a drop in the bucket for Netflix. You know what I mean? Like it's not even a not even a blip on the radar. So yeah, like I don't understand. Like what's the next move? If we do boycott, well, then what? You're not. It's not like Netflix will come back to you and. Hey man, pay me. You know, come on, man. You don't burn that bridge. Well, I feel like Monique still has some fans, and there's lots of ways to make money. She can, like, just a simple thing like being like, I want to find out all the YouTubers in whatever area I live in, and be like, I'm gonna pop up on your YouTube channel, like The Rock and Will Smith popped up on people's YouTube channels. So you don't even have to create all the content your yourself, you know. Just yeah. show up, do a sketch here, improv there. Man, you I'm rooting for her. Man. I'm you not going to boycott. Yeah. Girl, I, I'm i I'm like, do I want to tweet Monique? Is this something I want to spend my time doing? Or do I want to focus <laughs> on me? Because I feel like she can do She has time for a comeback. She has time to, like, boost up the baby's college funds. <sighs> Girl, what are you doing? <laughs> But I think we, uh, I think we ran that dog, that dog into the road, man. We can pretty much kill that dog. <laughs> yeah, for me, he was gonna be happy. I got it out of my chest because I've been waking up every morning like she's still out here, and he's just like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's what the internet's pretty much saying at this point. Like, on light, on light. Yeah. yeah. Well, moving on. Uh, next on the rundown, the um, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the singer slash entertainer uh, Amara La Negra. Yay! Yes. I don't know. I just know her from Love and Hip Hop Miami. Do you watch Love and Hip Hop? So here's the thing, right? Under normal circumstances, I try to avoid celebrity gossip and trash TV, mm-hmm. but 2016. I relapse really hard, and so yeah, I watch a lot of Ratchet TV and listen to podcasts while at work. Listen, I think 
I, th- I think it has to be balance. It's like junk food. Like even when you work out, you have to have your cheap meals. You just can't, you know, eat clean all the time. Mm-hmm. That's what it is, man. I, you know, I, I, occasionally I will watch, you know, my guilty pleasures as far as junk TV. I think some of these shows are hilarious. I think Stevie J from Love and Hip Hop is a oh, God. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this dude, he is comical to me. So it's just. I mean, it's funny. Like, if it was a fiction show, I would be like, this shit is funny. But then I stop and think, like, oh, no, this is somebody real life. Like, Youngberg really did smash with Hazelie. What you doing? I don't understand. (laughs) Youngberg. (laughs) All right, Uh, you got it soon. That's funny. What? Anyway, get back on the track. Yeah. So, (laughs) well, um, I'm not sure if you guys saw. Well, saw her uh, Breakfast Club interview with Charlamagne and DJ Envy and um, Angela. Yee. Yeah, Angela Yee. Yeah. Well, uh, basically, on um, I don't watch Love and Hip Hop, but I know one. It's been a clip that's been going around online of uh, she was have um, Amar was having a conversation with a producer on the show, some guy named DJ Hollywood, I think. Yeah. Anyway, she was having a, a conversation with him about. Improving her career, she's she's um, she's from the, the Dominican Republic, and she's trying to break into the um, like the American uh, music market. So she went to him for some basically you know some sage advice on hey how what do I need to do you know sound wise and that kind of thing. And before she could even say a really a couple of words to him, the first thing he said because she look she's she is a she is a brown-skinned woman with a big, full afro. She's mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful woman, right? And He's a cutie. Yeah, big. And the first thing he said to her was... I think we were actually to take off some and do a record, right? And I'm like, yo, I need you to look a certain way. What would a certain way look like? Like, what, what do you have in mind? What would you a choose? little bit more Beyonce, a little less Macy Gray. You know, you got to be a little bit more it. sensual. You know, the afro is cool. Maybe we could do, you know, say like a video here and there, certain looks, but you know, maybe try something different, different looks. You can see Beyonce just like this, Soul Sister, the same way you can see her come in a beautiful gown, elegant, breathtaking. So I can't be elegant if I have a fro? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> First of all, that fro was nowhere near nappy. No. Let's just put that on the I think record. it's perfect. I think it's like a mushroom white. It's perfect. Like, if she was a light-skinned girl and had an afro like that, it would have been like, oh yeah, my biracial mommy. Like I don't I don't understand. That that afro was juicy. But anyways, continue. Yeah, so that so it was a lot of backlash online. You know, his comments were, you know, rude and insensitive and racist and every other ism you want to say, I mean it was it was pretty bad, right? So she went on the Breakfast Club to um basically talk about that incident and uh because she's now she's kind of the I guess a spokesperson for uh, the Afro Latina community. Uh, so she went on the breakfast club and she wanted to basically want to talk about what happened on the show and talk about how her career has been impacted by by colorism. 
The struggle is very similar. Obviously, they'll always pick the lighter, you know, they'll always pick the ones that look like I said before, like J-Lo's and Shakira's and stuff before they look at us. Who cares if you're talented? Who cares if you're educated? You know, you're always going to be the last option. And that's that just, so it's just a symbol of beauty. I don't, I don't see that. Like, I guess I'm uptown a lot. I'm in New York. But, but you don't see it where? I don't even see it I in mean, Hollywood no more. I feel like times have changed a lot. Uh, okay, but the same thing I, I go back to. For the most part, I'm coming from the Latin market into the American. American, mm-hmm. And this is the struggles that we have, right? You can say you, sure you don't. Not in your mind. We it's not because on it's not because you yeah, can. But that's love and hip hop. That's a storyline. And who the but f- is but young is, Hollywood? But it's a true. Like, but it's a true. Yeah, but it's a true storyline. Like it's not even. We didn't have to fake it because it's the truth. Ridiculous, right? I, I read some of the articles, um, just talking about the comments and. Yeah, and I agree. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's definitely colorism within the black community, but I think it's even worse in the the Latino community because perfect example. So I live in San Antonio mm-hmm. and you'd be surprised, man. A lot of people don't realize a lot of people from Central South America, you know, a lot, a lot of Latin born people, they have members of their family that are very, very dark and the majority of the slaves that came from Africa, they went to South America. It wasn't North America. And, of course, they made stops, you know, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, the Caribbean. And that's how, you know, we got the footprint there. But it is something within the Latino community, you know, where they look down upon the darker um, Afro-Latinas, if you want to call them that. Because the other ones, if they're light enough, they almost pass for white. And if you yeah. look at any of the job applications, you know, Hispanic, Hispanic, white, Hispanic, you know, white, non-Hispanic. And that's what they're trying to do. And even if you look at the recent election, a lot of people that call themselves Latinos, they voted for for Donald Trump. So I think it's yeah. one of those things where it just shows this, you know, subjects like this to me prove and validate that there is a such thing as white supremacy and there is a belief that the lighter you are the better you are and the prettier you are and the smarter you are and this goes back you know hundreds of years to slavery so it 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 is you know her points are valid her concerns are valid so it's just it's rough that you know I'm really disappointed in Charlemagne and you know DJ Envy get up there and discredit her but Charlemagne is an idiot. Sometimes he'll have some very poignant stuff to Man. say. And then sometimes he, he's like, dude, you're a fucking fool. He's, I don't know what his deal is. Like, so I didn't watch this episode because I, I only go to the breakfast club when I want to kill some brain cells. And I really <laughs> thought that um, from the clip I saw on Twitter, I thought he was very disrespectful. So I was like, if I watch this, I'm going to watch it with Adblock on because he's not going to get these coins for his foolishness. And also, I was like, they don't, don't need the views. And I don't need to have this conversation with the Breakfast Club. <laughs> um, I was just thinking about how Cardi B was like, TM, not TMZ, the Shade Room didn't teach me about words. And I was like, I'm not trying to learn about colorism from the Breakfast Club. <laughs> So I've, my situation, I grew up in the Caribbean and there were a lot of, now I realize it, Afro-Latino girls in our, in, on our island. But the weird thing is that I never heard that word growing up. I, there was just like, oh, them Spanish girls. And you're like, you know, the dark Spanish girl. Like, I never identified 
some of my friends as black. Like you just look at it's just some sometimes you look at a black girl and you're like, this girl, she's she's Spanish, and that's what we call them. We don't call them Hispanic or Latina. Like that's a Spanish girl there, like that. And when I came to America and that um, documentary Dark Girls came out, and I went to the I was like in one of the student organizations. I learned what an Afro-Latina person was. Yeah. But I didn't have that reaction to like, oh, what are you, black or are you Latina? It's like, obviously, okay, you're biracial. Next, next question. What's going on here? But see, I'm, I'm telling you something. Like, living overseas, um, I mean, it, it's racism everywhere. You know, don't be mm-hmm. fooled. I mean, yes, it, it's countries in Europe. That's the whole thing behind Brexit. You know, they don't want you know immigrants from Syria and other places coming into England. So racism is racism is everywhere. But one thing I will say, it's not on the level that it is here in the United States. Like you said, you know, you it was a Spanish girl, but here it's so important to to identify what you are and like Dexter has two beautiful my nephews you know Ethan and Pierce I guarantee Dexter gets asked all the time hey you know are they mixed or is their mom white because there's always something behind it because here is like a sense of pride we just can't say hey I'm black we got to say well I'm mixed with the Indian or I'm Puerto Rican or this and that but that lets you know how dysfunctional we are here as Americans well, I feel like non-American communities, there is equal amounts of racism, and it's probably institutionalized, but I feel like um, as peoples, there are just more luxuries in society. Is it like the government offers more benefits so that people don't necessarily feel as cramped? Does that make sense? So let me see how I can reword this. I feel like when I move to the Netherlands, there is um, a certain level of racism and stuff I feel. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, uh, higher education is pretty affordable. At the same time, we have women in leadership. I still feel like more mobility and i feel like minorities in america just get slammed on all sides it's like you're shunned socially and we're not giving you resources whereas in other countries you're kind of getting some resources even if you are shunned but then you can make your own community you know well Um, and i and i get what you're saying like you could be upwardly mobile in other countries and or at least feel like it you know or or at least feel like it and sometimes it takes away from the stigma of you know maybe being an immigrant or being you know from somewhere else but here and it doesn't matter what you do how many degrees you have how much money you have at any given time they could come back and say oh you're still a nigga i think it's different here too because look uh, america's a little unique as you know we had a um, we had Jim Crow here, right? We had the civil rights movement here. We, so we've had clear demarcation points for, for slavery, you know, for, for, um, um, the way minorities are treated, right? We, um, so there's like a complete, there's a, a, a more open disdain for African Americans from other races within America. Right. So like in, so like in Brazil, I know, um, Brazil has they promoted um, 
uh, like color blending like back in the 1920s. It was a big push to basically import whiteness into Brazil. So um, mm-hmm. they they basically, uh, if you were if you came from Spain and if you came from Portugal, um, you didn't have to pay taxes to basically you were able to get a large villa in Brazil and stay for free, pretty much for free for years if you were a Europe, a white European. So that's where you have a lot of, that's where the Spanish influence and stuff comes from. from. And so if you, so the, the Brazilian government says that they're, they, uh, there's no racism in Brazil because um, they don't identify what, what racism is. But there is a, com- a complete bias and a complete, you know, like there's an in- institutionalized racism in Brazil, like at its core, where if you, yeah. everything you see, every, Every television show you see, it's, it's long hair, light skin, blue eyes, hazel eyes, you know, looking Spanish woman or something. Uh, there's no... Oh, Brett, did, oh, go ahead. Did you know that um, Brazil has the largest, like, settlement of population of African people outside of Africa in the world? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I didn't, I didn't know that. I, did I saw a documentary that. of that last year, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, in the, in the way the government, basically they turn a blind eye to it, and, they, and they, it's one of those things like out of sight, out of mind. If we don't say that there's racism, that's not racism. However, every every low-income area is, is mostly dark people. Every, um, um, every service job, you know what I mean? Like, it's certain mm-hmm. jobs that they... They won't even consider you for if you're if you're a dark and complected person like, but you know they're so colorism exists right colorism is is real and I, I don't think it's just limited to America I think it's something that happens all over the world you, you see even in Japan even in there's if you're in in the most uh, Asian Asian com- countries you're the um, the more fair your skin is the more uh, considered beautiful you are all of those countries sell sell skin bleaching products like it's a thing man like it's real and hey, look at Sammy Sosa when's the last time you <laughs> oh seen him? god yeah, like Pepe Bismol, he's, man. Dude, he's, a, he's a monster <laughs> like, yo, yo dude he literally looks like Fred Flintstone man I was thinking like I don't know how real the amount of storyline is because when I think about all the Afro Latinas I grew up around they kind of was like one step above regular black girls. You know, first of all, when they pop the relaxer in, their hair is long. They don't need no tracks. And if they put in tracks, they're not like being suspected of it. And I also feel like if you look at Amara, she's beautiful. I don't believe like she gets in this kind of hostility. Not saying that she's a liar and not saying that we don't need to have this conversation. I just was like, I feel like in the Caribbean, things are... A little more friendlier for black girls with looser, dark-skinned girls with looser hair. Because, you know, in the Caribbean, we kind of love her. Like, the light-skinned girls get some love, but I feel like the dark-skinned girls get, like, a good, you know, love if you got a nice butt and you got, like, some hair on your head. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, and we can keep going, you know, over and over it. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, Dominican Republic and Haiti, they're on the same island. Yes. But last year, um, there was a strong push from a lot of people in the Dominican Republic. They were forcing Haitians back to the other side of the island. Yep. And it wasn't just like, hey, brother, you need to go to the other side of the island. 
No, they had machetes and guns, and they were, you know, killing people and, you know, violently, physically forcing people. This isn't anything new. Look at it like, yeah, it it bothers me because all of us are African. I always say this, and I said this earlier, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Panamanians, Brazilians, you know, all the islands, you know, Jamaica, you know, St. Croix. It's just... Exactly, but it's just we've allowed us to, you know, separate ourselves, and now we're, you know, we're just individuals instead of a balled-up fist. We're just the thumb and the pointer and the middle finger and the index and the pinky. We would have so much more strength that we would ball them fingers up and be one fist, man. So it's just man, it's powerful. It's (laughs) you know what I was sitting here thinking about um, a modern situation. So. My grandfather is from the Dominican Republic, but I always looked at him as a black guy. He's like medium tone black guy. Um, and like when I was at Northwestern and they were talking, I was like, oh, shit, maybe I am an Afro-Latina. Because like half of the people on my family are like Gabriel and Somara and Candida and all those things. But... I don't know. I, I mean, it's tough out here for dark girls. I feel like I've gotten shitted on enough in my life. I I don't understand why everyone is so shocked that, you know, a racial combination besides black and white can exist. And I feel like chocolate people are beautiful. Amara's beautiful. She got like a butt. Like, wow. <laughs> Did you see when she was wearing that chocolate Katsu, I was like, girl, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're out here in this like chocolate katsu with your afro and your butt 10 miles out. I don't want to objectify her. But I, I, do, I thought I you were about to get excited. Beautiful. I, I thought your accent was about to come out a little bit. You, you, it came close. Now you see, now it's like a pull in a safari. Straight. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God bless safari. He 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 I, he good. Well, he's you good. know, like one of my best friends, um, you know, Rich. He's he's from uh, he's from Jamaica, right? And he talks, he talk, he always talks about like um, the dif- the difference between like someone from Jamaica and someone from Trinidad, right? And it, for him, it's like a a clear demarcation, like, but they ain't. Trinities are different than Jamaicans. Like we are completely yes. different, and and I'm like, you know, for me, you know, North Carolina country boy, I'm like, hey man, it's all the same, right? Y'all, we all black, whatever, right? And he's like, nah, man, it's a, it's no. it's different, it's different, and it's, it's like, more. I feel like it's more different than someone. When I'm just gonna say, it's more different than someone from the south in the U.S. and like someone from up north. But I was like, hmm. Or is it the same, like comparing two black people, one from the south and one from the north? Well, yeah, probably. Yeah, because like you know, I, I mean, Ernest, you know Trevor, right? Trevor is from the Virgin Islands, right? He's from Totola, yeah, uh, from Saint Croix, and you know, Rich is from Jamaica, and completely, you know, they like they're completely different, and it's like, so we sat out, we we're talking, I'm just like, let's just go through like your childhood, like let's just break it down, like what did you do? What was your environment? What what if you looked out your window? What did it look like? What did you eat? What kind of things did you do as a kid? And it was I mean it was like night like basically the same thing. I'm like, bruh, we we 
we have a shared experience. We are all the same. It's no real difference here. Like, you know, like Ernest said, man, we get broken up on amongst, you know, regions and and islands and color lines and stuff. And it makes no sense. It really makes no sense. They even have the the debate or like, you know, like Charlemagne to ask her what she is. I mean, that's that's ridiculous, man. That's ridiculous. But see, I'm going to tell you, I, I know why it happens. So oh, if you look at, you know, me and Dexter, have, you know, African ancestry. However, we don't know what country they came from. We don't know when they came here. We don't know any of that. But, you know, if you're from Jamaica, from Trinidad, from Haiti, even if you want to say you're from, you know, Dominican Republic or Puerto Rican, you know that you have that information. You know what they eat. You know what they like to do. It's different music. So and I think that's like a sense of pride. But regular just black folks in the United States, most of us don't have that. And that's why you see you see someone from Jamaica and they're like, you know, I'm I'm Jamaican and they, they rep it hard, really hard. Same thing from the Virgin Islands or wherever. Or if you're Panamanian, mm-hmm. but what are we? What are we claiming, Dex? Will we claim, claim North Carolina? And that's Sir the thing. We, yeah, we can't. Yeah. We can't. Us I, claiming I, North Carolina is ridiculous, man. I was going to say, I feel like sometimes, at least for myself, I feel like I claim a lie because when I was growing up, my mom was very much like, "You are Dutch. If anybody asks you, you are Dutch. If you want to elaborate, you could be Dutch Caribbean." And compared to other children from like my generation, we consumed more dutch food and more dutch tv than the rest of them and i don't i don't know man when i think about my ancestry i told i told this guy undergrad now we we from the dominican republic that's where it goes like not that i was hating on africa i was just like i feel like the only thing i know to identify with is dutch and dutch is not my people I mean, the older I get, I realize it's not. Well, I put it like this, right? If you, typical white person walking on the street, if you walk up to them, all they see, no matter if you're from Jamaica, if you're from Japan, if you're from China, I mean, there's a large population of black, of, of black Asian, Asian people in, like in the, out in the Pacific, the smaller Pacific Islands and stuff. You can be uh-huh. from India. You can be from anywhere else. If you walk up to if with a certain hue, a certain pigmentation, a certain amount of melanin, <laughs> you walk to a white guy, he's like, "You black, point blank." Like, there's no, I don't, he don't care, Afro, Afro Latina, Afro, he don't care. You're black, and at the end of the day, you can you can throw any type of, uh, you know, you can put any type of moniker on it. You can look. I'm from Wisconsin. I can. I'm from whatever. I'm, from, I'm black Canadian. At the end of the day, when they look at you, you're black. And, you know, and it's so, like, you know, like, so we, it's hard for us to even be able to identify with something outside of, because when they see, I think you can say, look, I'm from here. I've, you know, I grew I was born and raised in Germany. And, and, you know, that's my, that's what I know. I wear Lederhosen's and, Shout out to the and I, I eat sauerkraut and that's, and for them, it's still like, well, you black, period. You know what I mean? So You know what is something that I think Americans don't have or maybe not enough of them? I grew up on a hill and my street was called Canagita Drive. 
My grandmother is a can of eater. And there's at the bottom of the hill, there's the house that she she grew up in. It's like a one room stone structure. It has trees growing out of it, but you could see it. And it took me a long time before I realized that, wait a minute, I keep saying that we have this big piece of property that's tied to our name and it makes you feel like this is your heritage. But this is still like, Canagator is not an African name. Muller is not an African name. This is all like white, white slave owner names. And it's like, yeah, yeah, things that I want to research, but I don't research as yet. It's like, but how do you own this land? Who who in here got raped for me to have this here? I mean, at least we still have that land and that power and that feeling like we own this earth and soil. And now living in America, I do empathize with the fact that Americans, black Americans don't have that. At least when I walk in America, people don't necessarily guess that I'm an immigrant, but I do feel like shit in America, like compared to like (laughs) walking in Europe and walking in the Caribbean. And I feel even more for like Latinos when they walk in America, people don't even think like, oh, we imported you here as slave. They just think like you don't even belong here. And it's like, but Native Americans. Does that kind of like, that's my two cents on like the Afro-Latinas and like empathizing with the Black American struggle for roots and such. Yeah. I mean, we we really don't have uh, any real strong connection back to like if you do like a dna test and find out what your genealogy is even if someone says like you're you're from you know Ghana, yeah the congo or something it's like you have no connection back there like no connection you don't there's not a single person that you can it's not a relative you can reach back out to there's no connection back to africa whatsoever and that's the sad part of it all, man. So, and I think that's why we have these weird kind of <laughs> conversations and stuff now, man. I don't know, but does it really matter to have roots? Yes, it, it yeah, does. It does. It does. Okay. Yes. That that was my privilege coming. Yeah, up. it helps. Yeah. Like it, it definitely mm-hmm. gives. Like when you talk to, let's say, a white person, right? And I yeah. am Polish. I am you know, Polish and German, whatever you like. And it's a strong connection back to their homeland and back they can go back, they can show that show you their family crest. They can you know what I mean, they can take a pilgrimage back to Ireland and and show you a structure that their great 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 grandfather made. Like we can't do that. But see that's why the Atlantic slave trade was so brutal because not only did it, you know, completely cut us off from our heritage and our history you know, it brought us here and it gave us something else, you know, that we had to adopt. Like you said, that's a great point. If you walk with the most, you know, white people, they can tell you where they came from, all this other stuff. Like I said before, we can't do that. I mean, think about our, think about our traditions, right? Do we have what tradition no. do we have that comes from None. the mainland, mainland Africa, right? Outside Nothing. of some bastardized version of a dance or some. <laughs> Some song or something that's been passed along because you know we couldn't carry any trinkets with us. We couldn't carry anything. It had to be all word of mouth stories and stuff. So you end up with, with you know old old wives' tales and 
Negro spirituals, but that's about it, man. Like, there's not a lot of, like, substance. There's no, you know, this is the castle that my family was raised in. Like, there's none of that kind of stuff, man. So, you know, they, we have to identify with colonialism and we have to identify with, with uh, you know, the name that you were given after slavery and that kind of thing. So, sucks, man. Sucks, man. Sucks, man. Sucks, man. Sucks, man. Well, let's 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 pick it up because we I got know, sad for a minute. The next, you know, we're gonna move into our spotlight segment. This is your opportunity to talk about what you have coming down the pipeline, what you're working on. Um, this oral story, this audio drama, audio drama that you're just tell, talking about. Tell us about that. Yeah. So speaking of like histories and stuff, when. Ever we had hurricanes, like just in general on the radio in the Caribbean, we listen to um, stories on the radio. Like, listen, do you guys know about Anansi the spider? Anansi no. is like an African um, fairy tale character. He's a spider. Sometimes he's a nice comedic character, and other times he's like cunning and cheating or whatever. And so, especially during the hurricanes, we would have more Anansi and like radio dramas on the air and a few years ago like two years ago ish Issa Rae dropped Fruit Podcast it was a podcast about uh, foot. it's like the behind the scenes story of like this football players coming out situation so it's called Fruit and um, I got really excited I was like oh this is what we're gonna do instead of making a feature film we're gonna take this story and put it in a radio drama and release it. So um, my friend Kimberly Myers and I, I don't even want to talk about how long we've been like molding this project, but we finally put it together. And now we're going to take that story, Sucker's Garden, and combine it with like other Caribbean stories that are out there and make it dramatized. So radio is making a comeback. It's Caribbean radio audio storytelling is making a comeback it's not going to be on the radio but we're gonna we're partnering with radial that's a lot of r's so radial <laughs> is a m- music app uh by these caribbean tech entrepreneurs uh andre and abe so they're helping us to broadcast our story podcasts and so we hope to have like to bring back telling those african stories not necessarily hollywood stories in audio, but we really want to play with the magical realism that is part of the Caribbean African culture. Yeah, that that sounds awesome. I can't wait to um, check that out, man. Mm. Well, Dexter, do you have your spotlight segment of the week? What I do don't, you, man. Do I don't. I didn't. I didn't because uh, I wanted to make sure we we provided uh, you know Nisia all of the time for the spotlight segment so i want to make sure i appreciate she, it she well, hold up i got one baby. You got? i got one baby so i'm always you know i'm in this mindset now i'm really trying to buy black products um so i've switched my beard product as you can see i'm a bearded man it's called mm-hmm. nature boy beard products um they sent me some black soap while i wash my beard with it's been phenomenal this conditioner the balm and this oil it smells lemony and it has like a spicy tang to it. It's really good stuff. And I can tell the difference in my beard over the last two weeks that I've been using it. So Nature Boy Beard Products. It's kind of pricey, but I believe it's worth it. It's the best stuff I've used so far. 
Wait a minute. Are you putting a moisturizer in this? Is it an oil? Oil. All kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. I have like a four-step process. Are you also putting products in your beard? Yes. Um, Dexter? Me? Uh, oh. Not enough. Every now and then. <laughs> Whatever's left I over been... from, you know, my wife, she's she's all natural and stuff too, so whatever she uses. Have... Ernest, have you ever done like a like, what's the most decadent thing you've done to your beard? Like a hot oil treatment, steam it, blow. Have oh, you so blow dried it? Finger waves, right? No, so check this out. <laughs> so, so my barber, I'm going, I'm going to get a haircut this weekend. He has one of those picks where you know it's a hot comb, but it's in a pick. Don't do he's it, gonna, man. He's gonna pick my beard out, <laughs> so it's gonna be. I've seen the videos. No, no, don't do that. Man, hey, man, make sure, make well, sure you, you record that. Record that. Record that. Record that. Record that. Record that. So, Alicia, so go ahead and let our fans know where, they, where can they find your work? What's your social media, your Twitter, your Facebook, your Instagram, all that stuff? Uh, yeah, so I'm Onicia Miller. You can find me almost everywhere as Onicia Miller. That's O-N-I-C-I-A-M-U-L-L-E-R. Mostly, I'm hanging out on Twitter. And if you follow me on Twitter, you should say hi because... I'm an introvert and I get paranoid when like people follow me. So I'm like constantly deleting Twitter followers. But I'm learning to like just like log off if you feel like if you feel uncomfortable cuz stranger danger. So yeah, you can find me online. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So and then I also have a monthly newsletter if you want to consensually stalk me. I can afford a website. Monique, you need to get a website. So yeah, everywhere at Onisi Miller. Sounds good. What up, what up do we have left there? Uh, that's it, man. Uh, you can find me on all social media platforms as, uh, well, Facebook is Dexter Joyner. Um, say you follow me on Facebook, you will see a bunch of pictures of me and my kids. Uh, if you... Uh, Follow me. Want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter? I believe it is Dex underscore Excellence. So Dexellence. We'll play on words there. Um, yeah, man. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm horrible on Twitter. I say something once a month. Is your mom on your Facebook? My mom is now on my Facebook. She just joined. Word. Like a month ago, man. So yeah. Because that's why I'm on Twitter. Because my mom is on my Facebook, and she like constantly DMs me like, Monicia, that that thing you said about tampons, re- delete that. Can't live, can't live. Yeah, my mom like she's on, but I don't even think she know. I don't she even think checked. she know. Yeah, yeah. So if she do look, look, man, she sees something she don't like. I mean, she ain't woke enough. I mean, yeah, you guys are grown. You got kids. I'm like barely. I'm barely grown. Well, with that being said, you can find it with more kind of say podcasts on all major podcast platforms, Stitchers, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find me mostly every place. NC Boy 80, North Carolina Boy 1980, Twitter, Instagram, Ernest Sexton on Facebook snapchat nc boy 80 playstation network whatever you know my psn nc boy 80 um follow us subscribe to the show uh provide feedback give us four or five stars reviews five we want no fours man all five well some places is four you know that's the highest you can get but max them stars out max so definitely you know 
we're looking to participate more with our fans um get more guests up here be more interactive if it's something you want us to talk about something you you know you want our opinion on just let us know and with that being said we want to thank you onicia for coming um i learned a lot um it was fun it was interesting and we would love to have you back on the show someday cool thank you it was fun dex and ernest wait let me don't disrespect you dexter and ernest in one words i respect (laughs) so with that being said we're gonna sing us out we're gonna sing ourselves out what more can i say that's what my lips with the speech got something you want to share or contribute to the show contact the guys via facebook instagram and twitter Don't forget to like the show and, as always, provide feedback. You can also hit them up via email at whatmorecanisay.podcast at gmail.com. Good night, America. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the host and other contributors. It's just jokes, people. One more